How we doing, everyone? It's Fitter Food Radio. It's myself, of course, with the ever so gorgeous Keris Marsden. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> good evening. Good morning. Whenever you're listening to this, guys, uh, another fantastic episode for you this week. Uh, well, we we certainly think it's going to be so. Anyway, uh, we've got a great guest on the show. This is actually someone who was kind enough to have us on their podcast um, quite a few months ago now, which is always very nice to be asked to go on someone else's podcast because we always worry that no one actually wants to listen to us so <laughs> we must be doing something right if others are asking us but guys we've got James Swanick on the show uh, some of you may know who he is uh, some of you may not uh, James Swanick is actually the founder or creator should I say of the 30 day no alcohol challenge um, he's also uh, an author He's an Australian-American um, TV host. He's been on ESPN, etc. Um, he's kind of done it all, I think. He just likes to keep himself busy, this guy. And he's actually recently launched his own blue blocking glasses called Swannies, which actually do look pretty cool. But, James, I'm going to hand over to you, buddy, and let you introduce yourself far better than I can. Uh, but first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Matt and Karis. Great to talk to you again. Yeah, so just to introduce myself, you can tell I've got a funny accent. I'm Australian-American. I live in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm very much into health and fitness now. Uh, wasn't always, but about 2010, I got a little bit sick and tired of feeling sick and tired from hangovers. And you know, I wasn't like a huge drinker. I was probably what, what you would describe as a social drinker, sometimes a binge drinker, which would mean that I would you know, have a few glasses of wine or a couple of beers during the week and then I on Friday and Saturday night, I might turn it on a little bit, you know, get drunk and <laughs> Sunday, watch the football and have a few beers. And, you know, I just got to kind of like crept up on me in 2010 rolled around. I was 35 years old and I was, you know, I put on a bit of weight. And I was just feeling a bit average, you know, like a five or a six out of 10. I just didn't feel like I was living at, at peak performance, so to speak. So I decided I was going to take a 30 day break um, just to test. And I hadn't gone 30 days without alcohol since I started drinking alcohol back as a back as an 18 year old because it's just so so part of our culture isn't it and uh yeah after 30 days I'd lost you know 13 pounds of fat my skin was better I slept better I got my dream job hosting sports center on ESPN all these amazing things happened and so I just I just kept going I haven't touched alcohol since oh so you are completely teetotal now completely yeah oh wow Wow. it's funny because what when people ask me that, they're like, oh, you don't drink at all. That, that everyone automatically starts thinking, oh, this guy was an alcoholic. Oh, this guy's got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> you can yeah. see it in their eyes. Even if people don't say it or don't ask it, you can still see it. Like, But, it, you know, the reason that people think that is because it, alcohol is just so ingrained in our society today. That I mean, it's so just – it's so part of our culture that – Anytime anyone, you know, says that they don't drink, people are like, oh, that person must have a problem. And so what I try to do with the 30-day the no alcohol challenge is really just uh, encourage people to quit for 30 days. It, it's not – I'm not telling people have got to quit forever. People always get a little bit freaked out when, <laughs> when, they, when the idea of, like, quitting forever comes yeah. around. But I just say quit for 30 days uh, and see what it's like because what, what you end up feeling is – immense amounts of energy, immense amounts of clarity and focus. Your sleep improves. You look better. Like your looks just generally improve. You have better relationships because you're not as irritable and and tired from the alcohol. Everything in life just is better for those 30 days. And then at that point, you can then decide whether to stay quit, go back to drinking. And what most people do is when they do go back to drinking, they just do it at a far reduced rate. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because we um, <clears throat> we gave up for three months just as part of a we were actually doing a gut heal um, and obviously couldn't drink alcohol and both of us we weren't even big drinkers at all we were personal trainers at the time so getting up at five getting home at nine you just you can't really drink that much and get away with it we never went back we got into like a, a habit of oh it's Friday it's Saturday crack open a bottle of wine share it you know maybe share two bottles of wine and again I wouldn't class us as big drinkers or even binge drinkers but when we gave it up for three months we felt so amazing we never went back we broke the habit completely for a start didn't we and just that that's oh it's the weekend let's drink which in London is just such a big deal for people and now we walk walk out in London on a Friday night and it sort of strikes you just how much of a part of people's lives it is especially in big cities it's inc- it's incredible. I mean, I lived in London for four years, around from 1999 to 2003. Uh, I was shocked. I, I started work at a newspaper there when I got there, and, and at lunchtime, people would go out and drink pints of beer. 
And I would do it with them just because I wanted to be part of the English culture, you know, like when in Rome. But I was coming back to my desk drunk. <laughs> I wasn't drunk. I was tired and falling asleep at my desk. I was like, how the hell do these people work effectively here? This is extraordinary. And then the end of the day would roll around and they'd go, oh, let's go to the pub. And then they'd go and knock back two or three pints of beer. And I'd find I was getting drunk again. And I was like, this is crazy. I couldn't believe it. And you're right, Keris. You know, I was in, I was in London for the Rugby World Cup um, and uh, having not drunk in, in five years and, you know, walking around and seeing just everyone with a pint of beer in their hand or a glass of wine or, pe- or fr- old friends of mine wanting to meet up in the pub and knock back three or four drinks, incredible to me, like astounding almost just how, how ingrained in the culture it is, certainly Britain as a whole, but, you know, not just UK, other countries, you know, countries all over the world. We're, we're renowned, actually, I think, for being bigger drinkers, aren't we, in well, I think, the UK? Um, because I know when uh, I think we were watching like one of the I think it was the Graham Norton show, and Matt LeBlanc was on there. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, he was over in London for you know some kind of work related thing, and Graham Norton was a bit like you know what do you think of the place? He was like yeah I love London, and he was like but bloody hell you guys love to have a drink. Yeah. And Graham <laughs> Norton was like what do you mean? And he was like well you know like in in America you know don't get me wrong people like to drink but it's normally at the weekend or a Friday. Yeah. He says but we're in the UK it's Every day, yeah, late morning, lunchtime, afternoon, it doesn't matter. Like, the, there's always people drinking in a bar or pub somewhere. And it, it moved from just being a weekend thing to suddenly in London, they, they brought out Thirsty Thursday, which is basically let's hit the bars on Thursday now. So the weekend starts, <laughs> but then I like, like Matt said, I, I walk home at different times in London, and actually, it's any night now, the bars are spilling out onto the street. It's really incredible. Well, look, I'll tell you this. I, I, I used to be, when I was drinking, right, I grew up in Australia and, and there's a very much, there's very much a drinking culture there, especially yeah. around kind of like the, the mateship and, and masculinity and, you know, come on, have a few beers with, the, with your mates. And, you know, that's definitely a societal thing there. Uh, when, when I moved to the, to the States, uh, certainly college kids, they drink very heavily. And then for Sunday football, like the NFL on, on Sunday is a huge drinking day, uh, uh, as well, it's quite hard to break that that cultural conditioning yeah. that we have. Because if you if you are born into a family where your father drinks beer with his friends, or your mother has a glass of wine after work each day, when you when you turn eighteen, your rite of passage is to have a big blowout eighteenth birthday party and get drunk and do shots of Zambuca and throw up in the, <laughs> in the gutter and everyone laughs and jokes and says, oh, good on you. And the next day you go, oh, I was drunk last night. And everyone goes, yeah, yeah, you were. And they laugh. And, you know, it's, it's, it's being instilled in you in your mind from such an early age that this is just the norm. This is yeah. what you do. And then that just moves on to like your, your late teens, your 20s, you live for the weekend, you know, you work from Monday through Friday and then thank God it's Friday. Well, let's go and get blind. Um, and then it just carries on, and then you know, in your late twenties, it becomes let's have a couple of beers after work, and then in your thirties, it's like oh, romance. Well, you know, you must have a bottle of red wine over <laughs> over a candlelit dinner. Well, who says you do? And then you think about the whole idea like oh, we got, let's celebrate. We better pop a bottle of champagne. Well, who actually invented the idea that you need to have champagne to celebrate? Why can't you just celebrate without the champagne? Like this idea that at weddings you must have champagne to toast the, the bride and the groom. Who says? I'll tell you who says. The marketing companies behind these liquor, liquor brands that, that are peddling their products. So when you start to open your eyes to that, you just realize like everywhere we turn, um, drinking, drinking regularly is just being ingrained into our into our mindset at every turn but when you can when you notice that and when you can get out of that societal conditioning life is a hell of a lot better i promise you was it um so you said like you had that pivotal point where you decided um i'm just going to ditch the booze and across that like 30 days was there ever any temptations like what, what were the biggest sort of barriers that you faced to continuing if any the moment I quit was when I had a hangover. I was in, it was March 2010. I was in Austin, Texas. Uh, I was at a festival called the South by Southwest Festival. And on the, the night before, I actually only had a couple of drinks. I had a, two Bombay Sapphire gin and tonics. But I, for whatever reason, the next day I woke up and I was just, I must have been particularly dehydrated or something. I'm not sure what it was, but I was really hungover. And 
I went into this international house of pancakes, which is a which is a brand over here of, of kind of like all you can eat breakfast food and pretty cheap nasty food. And I was looking at the menu of these big bright bold colors of bacon and eggs and all you can eat pancakes. And I looked to the right of me and there was this huge American like must have been four hundred pounds eating all you can eat pancakes with maple syrup and and, and whipped cream. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this just looks revolting, and I feel like death. I'm gonna quit for thirty days. I- I've had enough. Enough's enough. And so uh, I kind of just drew, drew a line in the sand and said, let's just do this. Let's just see if you can do it. So I went out that night in Austin. And mind you, I'm at a festival where they're giving away free booze. Like it's an open bar. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of like industry parties. And usually I'd be all over that. But open bar, let's go. Give me beer. Give me wine. Give me anything. But I went out and... I just steeled myself, Karis. I was just like, just don't drink tonight. Just, just whatever you do, just don't, don't drink tonight. And so I ordered water, ice, and a piece of lime. That was my go-to drink all night. I sipped on it. I got through the first night. Nobody noticed. Um, and then for the next 29 days and 29 nights, I went out and I did the same. I just went, whenever I was in a bar, I just walked up and I very confidently said, I'll have a water, ice, and a piece of lime, thanks. And that was it. I just drank that. It wasn't, I didn't say that I was really ever tempted. There were some times where I felt a little bit stressed out from work where ordinarily I would have a beer. But what I did instead is I would jump up and down or I'd do some push-ups or I'd go for a run around them uh, or I'd just try to do anything to change my state. And when I did that, I found that that the desire to have the drink quickly passed, probably within five minutes it, it passed. Um, a couple of friends are like, what are you doing? Why are you just have a beer? Just have one. Come yeah, on, yeah. just have one. And, uh, and I, but I was, you know, I, I, what I did was I, I practiced smiling and laughing and joking about it. Like I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm really embarrassed by this. And so when I did and they saw that I didn't really care, they, they, they quickly just let it, they quickly just dropped it. Um, and so I just kept drinking my water ice and a piece of lime. So I'd be lying if I said there weren't temptations, Karis. But, um, you know, what I found was that I didn't really crave the drink. I just craved a change in my state. Maybe I was stressed, so I wanted to feel, I didn't want to feel stressed. So, well, I could do that by exercise, breathing heavily, drinking a nice tall glass of water. And, um, you know, as long as you can get through that societal pressure uh, and you can change your state a different way, after a while it becomes surprisingly easy. Did you end up um, sort of changing the people that you hung out with a little bit? Because I know we've had some people on in previous podcasts who've talked about how they change their life, they get fit, healthy, ditch the booze, and so they they pretty much have to change their circle of friends because some people yeah, can't abs- deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, What I noticed after 30 days is that I started – spending time with a, a higher caliber of person, if you like. Not to suggest that people I was hanging out with when I was drunk was were low caliber, but what I noticed is that I started attracting healthier uh, people into my life. Um, I started attracting people into my life who, where I would have sort of deeper, more meaningful conversations, whereas when I was drinking, the conversations were mostly trivial you know trivial conversations just you know silly kind of issues yeah um uh i was single at the time and uh you know when i was drinking uh i would date a certain type of woman you know a a drinker you know just a fellow a drinker and when i quit drinking what i found is that the quality of the women that i was meeting in a romantic context was far superior was far higher so i would meet these really intelligent well-read educated very health conscious, yoga going, book reading, um, you know, elegant uh, women. That doesn't mean that you can't find, uh, I couldn't find those women when they were drinking. It's just when I quit drinking, that type of woman just started popping up in all, like all the time. I was like, oh my God, there's another one. There's another one. Oh my God, I'm meeting all these people. (laughs) And then you become friendly with, with that type of person and they'd introduce you to their friends in that, you know, who were also of a similar mindset. And before too long, you're changing your diet, you're exercising, or you're going hiking and, um, in, on a Saturday and Sunday morning rather than waking up hungover. You want to go to the gym. You're going to, 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 to group gym classes, like spinning classes and having conversations with people. You're, you're uh, all of a sudden going shopping at the farmer's market rather than you know going down buying a Subway sandwich or you know having a greasy breakfast. Like, you just, everything just kind of just shifts. You know, your mindset shifts and then the people that you spend time with shifts and the actions that you take in your life shift. Um, and always in, a, in, a, in the right way, always in a positive manner. 
So when you when you did kind of like embark on this thirty day no alcohol, was that literally the only change? You said you meant you you mentioned you lost uh, thirteen pounds, was it? Yeah, th- well, I don't know whether that is in the UK. That's like a, what's that in stone? Well, that's basically a stone. Yeah, yeah. Stone, yeah. Uh, okay. Is it thirteen pounds? Stone? Roughly. Thereabouts. Nearly fourteen. Yeah. Th- near enough. I always work in kilos, so I'm always like, uh. Um, but was that the only change you made to, to lose that much uh, uh, body fat, or was there other it elements was, there as well? It was the only conscious change that I made, right. but because I had made that change, did not eat the late-night kebab. I did not order the dessert with dinner. I did not order the late-night burger. And it wasn't a conscious decision not to eat the late night kebab or the dessert it's just because i wasn't drinking i didn't crave sugary foods well it's funny because yeah no go on yeah i didn't crave sugary foods i didn't crave the carbs because i wasn't drinking i didn't eat the fries i didn't eat the ice cream when because i wasn't hung over i didn't go out and have a really greasy breakfast yeah. the next morning so it, it, it wasn't like i said oh i'm also going to eat really well this month it just happened. I just ate really well. It just happened. I just ate really well. So the 13 pounds that I lost was was, was two things. Um, I, I wasn't putting those dead calories in, into my system because I wasn't drinking. Uh, and I wasn't putting uh, dead calories in my system from crap food that you would ordinarily eat because you're drinking. And the, the, other, the other aspect we talk to clients about is is the effect alcohol has on, on blood sugar and sleep because that then changes your appetite the next day, your insulin sensitivity the next day, and it just has that knock-on effect for the amount you're going to eat, the cravings you're going to get for a couple of days after, I would say, a big weekend. But that's, that's what we always say, that it's not necessarily that alcohol is the problem. It's, it's almost the knock-on effects that alcohol has. Because like you say, you go out for a few beers uh, or maybe a, more, a bit more than a few, you know, and like you say, kebab shop on the way home. Uh, you might even get home and have a nightcap, who knows. Then you wake up the next day with a stonking hangover. The last thing you want is a healthy breakfast. You want bread and toast and jams and bacon, yeah. eggs and, and kind of all the things that you probably wouldn't normally have. And then blood sugar's all over the place, so your food choices for the rest of the day are shot. And... Then you kind of think, well, oh, I might as well start on Monday now because the, the, everything's gone out the window. I might as well have another day's worth of treats. And then, but then on Monday, most big drinkers are depressed, so they have to have something on Monday to get through Monday. Yeah. Most people do hate Mondays because yeah. they've just had an epic sugar crash from the weekend. Of yeah, boozing. exactly. It's all just a vicious cycle. I mean, I, I've had hundreds of people do my 30-day no-alcohol challenge, and it's amazing. Um, when I get to day 30, 31, they all say, oh, my God, I've lost seven pounds. Oh, my God, I've lost five pounds. Oh, my God, I've lost ten pounds. Um, and during the challenge, I make them take, or I encourage them, rather, to take photos of the food and the non-alcoholic drinks that they put, put in, their, in their system. And just the simple act of taking photos um, makes them make healthier choices but you're right you know like when you go through when you drink it's the it's not just the alcohol it's the alcohol related activities and by the way it's not not just it's not just the food that you're eating it's also the money like you think about how much money you can spend uh, on alcohol and alcohol related activities i mean you might even if you're spending like let's let's just say conservatively 25 pounds a week on actual alcohol and that's 100 pounds a month that's very conservative right yeah but but, you, but it's not just the alcohol. It's the alcohol-related activities like, well, maybe you get a, a taxi home because you're drinking. Well, you better throw another 15 or 20 quid on that every week, okay? So now all of a sudden you're up to 40, 40 quid. All right, it's the late-night kebab. There's another another four quid. Well, now you're up to 44. Okay, um, the the uh, hangover breakfast the next day, maybe that's 10 quid. All right, now we're up to 54 pounds. You know, maybe we're getting up close to $100 in American dollars. Um, we, we get sick. More often, so maybe we yeah. miss a day of productivity in our business. So maybe we don't make a hundred pounds in our business that day. Okay, so now we're up to hundred hundred and fifty pounds, maybe. Um, we don't get a promotion at work because we're tired and lethargic and not working at our best the whole time. So let's say we're not making, we're not getting five thousand pounds a year extra in, in wages. So we divide that. There's another hundred pounds. Um, you know, the money aspect of it is this hidden little thing that just people don't realize it's only when you kind of spell it out like that and you go what is this drinking actually costing you it's costing you your health it's costing you your finances it's costing you relationships 
because you're irritable all the time and you're more prone to snap at your boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, kids, colleagues, friends. It's costing you your looks because alcohol is a poison and it's sapping the moisture from your from your face. Um, so you, you're more inclined to have crow's feet and wrinkles. It's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just a slow killer is what I like to call it. And it's funny because when you put it like that, especially the money side of it, is a lot of people um, in, in our online membership group, for example, will mention things and they'll say, oh, I can't afford that or I couldn't, I can't afford that fitness class or, or you know, I can't afford to buy grass-fed meat. <laughs> but, you, you know, when you see sort of comments about what's going on at the weekend, we think, well, you, you, you're making investments in places that really are, are, are doing you no favours. And, it, you know, just stand back for a little time and, and just basically look where you spend your money. You might be spending more money on sort of putting on weight than actually trying to help yourself lose some weight. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so true. You know, people, to, to do my 30-day no-alcohol challenge, there's a, there's a small fee. And um, when people are reaching out to me about it, they go, oh, I'm not sure I could really afford that. I'm like, oh, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so how much money did you spend on alcohol and uh, entertainment and things like that on this weekend? And what they tell me, it's usually at least four or five times more than what than the small fee to do the 30-day no alcohol challenge. And then if you times that by four, they save, like people here can save $500 a month if they just quit alcohol for 30 days. Oh, it's, amazing, it's extraordinary. It? But then they're like, oh, I can't, oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> do, do people you know? repeat the challenge? Like, because um, you often see people doing these online challenges over and over again. Do you get the same thing with, with yours? Yeah, yeah, I do, um, which, is, which is terrific. Um, I mean, we, we, most people who, do, who go, go through the challenge they go, oh, my God, my life has changed. It's amazing. I feel better. Uh, I'm still going to go back to drinking, but I'm going to do it at a far reduced rate. And that's what they do. So they'll go through 30 days. Um, a lot of them will, will not drink on day 31 to celebrate. They'll just push through to, like, day 35 or 40. And then they'll have a glass of wine or they'll have a couple of beers and they'll go, oh, my whole relationship with alcohol has changed. I've got one one fellow. Uh, his name's James Lee. He lives over in, um, uh, in Ireland, actually. And he started on this... Uh, 187 days ago, I think it is. I know it's that amount, that number of days, because every day he posts in the in the memberships closed Facebook group, and he goes 187 days or 185 <laughs> days, 186. He's always posting photos of him riding bikes and um, you know with his kids, and just his whole life has changed. I had another gentleman who who just um, his he and his fiance just had a baby daughter called Charlotte uh, last week, and he posted a photo of, of the baby, and, and he said something like, um, "I'm so." Uh, grateful to be sober and not drinking for the birth of my daughter uh, I never imagined that uh, did I, I would be able to do that you know 40 days ago he just started 40 days ago he was drinking quite heavily um, but it's just it's I'm clear in my mind I'm focused and I'm just overcome with joy because I I'm able to truly save at the moment whereas before he was drinking quite heavily and uh, I think he was stressed out and um, so yeah so he's gone you know 40 days other people um uh, you know, some people stay quit. Other people just go back to reduce drinking. I've had a couple people who quit for 30 days, say that they feel amazing, and then, you know, three or four weeks later they come back and go, you know what, I've fallen back into, into old habits. Not a lot of people, but but some, and then they do it again. And then they and then the next time they do it, and then uh, the next time they go, oh, now I've, now I've quit. So it just depends, you know, it just depends on, do, on the person. Do you not think as well, like, we, we've always said this, when we work with uh, some of the the, the guys and girls on our online plans you know exactly what you just said you know let's say for example one of our uh, 28 day fat loss kickstarters that we used to do and some people would get phenomenal results that they'd lose a ton of weight they'd be like my energy's through the roof my training's going great i feel fantastic i'm sleeping so well but then exact same thing like a month later all of a sudden all these old behaviors and habits have come back in so, of course, the big question is why, you know, and we always say this when we're talking amongst ourselves about, you know, people that have kind of got done the plan, got great results, fallen off. And it, for us, it's just all about the right time. Like in that it's not just because that they've kind of reverted back to old habits this time. Like, you know, they shouldn't feel bad about it. It's just probably there's something else going on in the picture that we don't know about. That means that this isn't just quite the right time for them to make longer-term change, if that makes sense. Well, look, every, everyone's different. Everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own path to, to, to walk. Um, it's like that, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Empire Strikes Back, where Luke Skywalker is training with Yoda, and Yoda says to Luke Skywalker, you have to unlearn what 
you have learned. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the same. If you have a habit for twenty years of drinking, you know, from age sixteen or seventeen, it takes a while to to break that habit. The thirty day no alcohol challenge helps you break that habit for thirty days, so you can get a glimpse of what it's like. Um, I always think that from that point, that's where the real real work begins because it's hard to break something that you've had ingrained in your mind and in your culture over many, many years. And some people are self-disciplined enough or have the willpower or have a big enough why to change. Um, some people, they just want the challenge, the 30 days, so they can have bragging rights and go and tell people I did it, you know, and then they you know, go back to old ways. Some people, there's deeper psychological issues going on, you know, like why do people have you you know, lose weight on diets and then put it back on again. You know, sometimes people have got issues to do with family or self-worth and and things like that. I mean, everyone is different. I I haven't found any one, you know, uh, consistent pattern as to why it works for some people or why it doesn't. The the only pattern that I've seen that definitely does work is that when you do it in a group of people, your chances of success are far greater. Absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so i mean that's why i, I you know accountability I created, isn't it a, a community around the 30 day no alcohol challenge you know there's a, the closed facebook group and people encourage one another all the time and you post in there and, and, and it's very uplifting and when you do it in a group um your chances of success increase exponentially. And do you do, because um, I know we spoke to you on a, on your podcast about uh, sort of paleo primal nutrition. Is that something that you guide people towards or do you just mainly stick to, let's just hit this goal of, of ditching the booze for now? Well, f- for the 30 Day No Alcohol Challenge, it's really just ditch the booze. Yeah. Um, but then after that, there's another program I have called the 90 Day Healthy Habits Program. And that's when I go into all areas of, of you know, changing changing a life to do with health, mindset, productivity, business, and I deal a lot with paleo in that in that ninety day healthy habits. But I don't I don't um, promote that program to people outside of the challenge. It's really just an extension. You know, when you finish the thirty day no alcohol challenge, I say to them, listen. And if you've come this far and now you feel amazing, maybe you'd be willing to come a little further. And let's look at some of your other habits, like what time are you going to sleep? What are you doing in the morning? What's your morning routine? What food do you have in the fridge? What food do you keep in the pantry? How often are you exercising? How often are you being grateful and writing in a gratitude diary? How often are you paying a compliment to someone or being thankful for something? So there's all these little habits that we we don't even recognize that we have that I kind of bring to their attention thereafter. But just to answer your initial question, Karis, really, I I don't want to change lots of habits in that 30-day no alcohol challenge because it's very hard to sustain. So it's just like, listen, we're just going to change one habit, drinking. Yeah. But when you change that habit, what happens is is that all, all of a sudden, without me even saying this is what you should eat, people start to go, oh, you know what, I'm now eating better as well oh my god i've just went to the farmer's market and bought fruits and vegetables and oh i'm realizing i'm not eating the late night pizza so people just tend to be healthier by virtue of the fact that they're quitting drinking in the first place and how did you come across uh, sort of paleo primal nutrition yourself how did i come across paleo like understanding paleo in general yeah or just just, a, just a, as a, i hate calling it a diet because it's, it's not we don't see it as a, a diet necessarily but um because i know you mm-hmm. you it was this sort of before you gave up the booze were you sort of following a bit of a a primal style of eating or was it after it was it was right around the time that i quit the drinking it was 2010 so like i said everything just changed as soon as i gave up i gave up the booze i quit the drinking i'd been quit for probably you know maybe a couple months at that point i met a guy called chris ashenden uh affectionately known as chris the kiwi he's actually Tim Ferriss's best mate and he runs a company called Athletic Greens and I was in Medellin, Colombia with him and I was telling him about how I didn't uh, how I quit drinking and he was you know saying that's amazing that's great um, but at the same in the same breath I was I was ordering a big hamburger and fries and he was like what the hell is that, that crap you're eating I'm like what he's like well you got that sugary bread or, or the carb laden bread you're eating those deep fryer fries um now and you're drinking coke you know you're drinking a, a, a glass of coke so you don't drink but now you're eating crap food i'm like what are you, what are you talking about said, dude you got to go paleo i'm like what the hell is paleo and then he explained it he explained it to me and so two weeks later i was back 
in the States, back at Bristol, Connecticut, um, about to host SportsCenter on ESPN, which I hosted. And uh, I started on a Monday. I woke up on a Monday morning, and I, and I went paleo for five days. I lost uh, like five or six additional pounds just from not ordering Coke from the ESPN cafeteria, from not having the, the potatoes, from not having the bread, and from not having rice. And, and my mother actually was watching me on, on, on the show, and she said, James, are you okay? I said, what do you mean? She goes, you look very gaunt in the face. You've lost so much weight this, this week. Like, what, what's going on? And <laughs> literally, it was that dramatic just from going paleo just just for five days. So there you go, you know. Like, you, you start talking about not drinking and then people start introducing you to new healthy healthy eating habits. And did you? And are you still sort of following that, like, um, as, a, as, a, as a model of eating or have you refined it at all over the years? Yeah, I'm, I'm very much, I consider myself 85% paleo. So uh, I'll, 85% of the time I'll stick to a paleo eating lifestyle. I don't like to use the word diet because it implies that you, you're on it and then you're off it. Um, and then 15% of the time I'll, I'll eat a lot of crap and, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy it quite frankly. Um, <laughs> at the moment I'm, I'm trying, I'm experimenting with um, something called Kino Body, uh, which is very much intermittent fasting. So I'll only eat in an eight-hour window and I won't eat uh, – for 16 hours. So I'm, I'm pushing my first meal of the day back to between one and two o'clock in the afternoon, having a, a meal then, uh, having a, a snack like an apple sort of around five or six, and then having a large meal um, around eight o'clock at night. Um, and I've found I've lost a little bit more weight and I've got a little bit more energy. It's, it's only been two or three weeks since I've been doing that, so I'm still experimenting with it. But certainly I've, I've noticed um, uh, more energy, um, a little bit, bit more fat loss. I can see... Um, you know, abs on my uh, my midriff. You know, a little bit more clearly now after that time. Um, but it's, the jury's still out. I'm going to do it for a full six weeks before I can really report my findings. And are you? I mean, do you, do you train as well? Yeah, I do. I mean, I used to train. Um, well, regularly, I've trained maybe five or six times a week and take a day off. But on this intermittent fasting keto body thing that I'm testing, I'm scaling it back to three times a week. Because um, oh, I was going to say. What's that? Sorry, because that's what I was thinking. I was I would be quite curious to know what your like your training performance was like eating this way compared to before. Yeah, well, I was eating a lot when I was doing the five or six times in the gym every week. Like I was having a big breakfast, big lunch, big dinner, some snacks in between. But since I've scaled back to three times a week, but lifting heavier. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Since I've gone into the, the intermittent fasting, I've scaled back to three times a week, um, and then go for a walk the other. Uh, for the rest of the week uh, i don't like it to be honest with you i actually like being in the gym and yeah. working hard for, for, for six times a week i like it so i get i'm getting a little bit kind of frustrated that i only have to that today i have to go for a walk only i'm like damn it i want to go and like really really work hard but you know if i did do that i think my hunger would be just through the roof you know yeah. so yeah and it'd be really hard for me to to stick to the two meals a day uh, and conditioning that I've gone at the moment. If you're kind of saving your meals till, you know, like the kind of 1, 2 p.m. For, to when mm-hmm. you start eating, what time of the day would you typically train on, on you know, at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have to train in the morning. I mean, I'm just I, I, I'm just a morning exerciser. Uh, the way I set my life up, I, I exercise in the morning. I don't like pushing it to the end of the day um, because that's when I skip start to skip workouts. So I make sure it's a habit to do it first thing in the morning. Um, I've pushed it back from first thing in the morning. I, I used to get up at like 6.30 and go to the gym and work out and then the rest of the day, but I've pushed it back now to somewhere around uh, between 9 and 11 um, because I know that if I train at like 6.30 and 7, I'm super hungry. Yeah. You know, like you come back and your body's like, give me food, give me food, give me food. <laughs> so now I've tried to push it closer to when I'm going to have my first meal of the day just so I'm not in, don't have these huge hunger pains that make, you know, why I'm just feeling really uncomfortable and I don't want my life to be uncomfortable. And so you don't act, you don't have like a post workout shake or anything like that. You literally go the right the way through to that first meal. Yeah, nothing. Well, well, not nothing. I take BCAAs, so I'll put the the BCAA powder in a in a water. There's no calories in it. It's not a meal. It's just you know, it's just BCAAs. So I'll take that before a workout and after a workout, and I'll have a cup of tea or two. Again, not breaking your fast. It's just you know, cup of tea. But but literally nothing. Some people have coffee, but I quit coffee. So um, oh, wow. coffee, <laughs> coffee can be a good one. Good the, on other, you, the, the other thing is. Um, I'll tell you what's good for, for suppressing hunger pain. It's uh, soda 
water. Soda water actually gives you a very full feeling. Um, if you drink water, maybe the hunger still remains, but if you drink soda water, it actually fills you up and gives you that feeling that you know it, it, it suppresses your, your, your hunger. So that's a little tip. Oh, that's all the gas in there probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So how is your... So yeah, nothing. I don't eat anything. Wow. And do you, um, uh, what are you doing with sort of carbohydrates? Because the whole sort of uh, paleo, low-carb, carb cycling is, is always being sort of discussed. Have you sort of played around with that a little bit, changed when you have your carbs, how much? Well, yeah, I should say uh, I eat a bag of uh, pop chips, which are a packet of chips. I know it sounds crazy um, that, that someone would eat a bag of pop chips, but because – and by the way, I'm talking about this keto diet now, okay? I'm not talking about – you know, paleo in general, what I've been doing for years. I'm talking about what I'm doing right now. But I'll have the one meal at lunchtime, I'll have the snack, then I'll have a, a huge meal at dinner time, and then for almost for like a dessert, I'll eat a full packet of these crisps called pop chips. They're kind of like a low-fat crisp. You would call them crisp in the, in the UK, we call them chips over here. Yeah. Um, and I can have them guilt-free because my calories have been so reduced throughout the day that even with eating that bag of crisps, it's still less than what I've exerted throughout the day like it's still giving me it's still enough for me to lose weight because of the intermittent fasting because your body's just going in fat burning mode when you haven't eaten for those 16 hours and your your ability create to create muscle has gone through the roof as well um, when you when you're going through intermittent fasting to answer your question uh, in terms of the carbs on that meal at night time Keris um, I have uh, I'm more prone to have potatoes like white potatoes beforehand I would only eat sweet potatoes yeah. but on now I'll have normal potatoes sometimes I'll have white rice whereas on paleo it's you know it's kind of like don't have the white rice or only have the brown rice so I will pa- I will eat a little bit more of the carbs but even doing that because I've you know effectively starved myself for 16 hours um, it doesn't I don't put on weight. Like it's, it's I, I've literally weighed myself every morning for the past two and a half weeks, and it's gone from. I started at one eighty seven, and this morning I was at one eighty one. So that's six six pounds. Oh wow! That's cool. Um, yeah, and then, and I've been eating chips. I've, I've eaten probably twenty back. Well, let's just say I've been doing it. Uh, 17 or 18 days i've eaten 18 bags of crisps <laughs> and i've had 18 servings of white potatoes and rice uh, as well as you know lean chicken and paleo stuff but i've i've, I've lost weight so go figure huh but are you i mean so what's i mean because obviously we've never met you but we've seen pictures of you online and you look to me like an incredibly slim athletic looking fella so why why do you want to lose weight do you want to lose weight or What's your... Look, it's not losing. It's it's not losing weight. It's just it's it's losing body fat. Um, you, don't, you don't even you so, don't know like you've got any to lose, mate. <laughs> what's that? What's what's that? Sorry, I missed that. You don't look like you've got any body fat to lose. Oh, have you got, uh-huh. have you got really fat uh-huh. legs that oh, well, we can't thank you. see? <laughs> thank you. Well, I, uh, for me, it's been. I, I've always um uh, I've always had that just stubborn belly fat. I've never ever had like what people would call the the, the the perfect six pack, you know, like Brad Pitt in Fight Club or Troy, that kind of look. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of like an experiment to, to do this. I'm 40. I, I turned 40 a few months ago, and I've never had a had a perfect six pack. I've always felt very healthy. Whenever I've had a blood test and everything, my cholesterol levels are low. I'm healthy. I've got low blood pressure. I eat well. I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm active. All those kind of things. But uh, I've always just eaten poorly enough <laughs> to to always just have a little bit of stubborn body fat and I like to experiment so it's not that I trust me I do not want to lose weight um, per general because I like the way that I look you know I like my muscles I like my physique it's just I want to get to a phase where I'm like how far can I get this in terms of you know perfect uh, aesthetic of a six-pack so that's why I that's why I'm experimenting with it and part Plus, you know, I have a podcast, The James Swanick Show. I need to talk about a whole lot of things. So I want to be the, the, be a human guinea pig, so to speak, and test different diets, test different lifestyles, see what happens to my, to my body. And do you think you'll um, take bits, so yeah. bits of this? So it's, it's keno diet, did you say? Yeah, it's, yeah. Called keno, it's called keno body. A friend of mine, 
Gregor Gallagher does it. Um, he's a young guy from Canada, and, and he's kind of built this perfect physique doing this thing for intermittent fasting. Effectively, what it is is just it's, it's intermittent fasting. You know, it's, it's just being very strict on eating in an eight-hour window. And um, because, you know, your calories are, are reduced for those 16 hours, he says you can eat a little bit more crap um, during the eight hours that you do eat. It's reminding me of um, flexible intermittent fasting because <laughs> like, it's, it's a bit of a combo of flexible dieting right, yes. <laughs> with the yeah. intermittent yeah, you, fasting. You can eat an eight hour. You, you can't eat for sixteen hours, but when you do eat, you can eat a little bit of crap. It sounds yeah. pretty good, you know, because you know his philosophy is you don't want to be so strict all the time. Like you do. Like even though we know from a health point of view that chips and chocolate and ice creams and all and fries are, are bad for you. You still want to indulge every now and again. You want you kind of want to enjoy those things sometimes. So oh, of course. he's kind of he's kind of set it up. So and do you have like a still have a, a cheat day or cheat night even on this style of eating, or is your daily packet of crisps and, and potatoes that that's it? That's your sort of flexible aspect. Yeah, he calls it a refeed day, right? Where you where you put more calories in than, than normal. So it's kind of like a cheat day. Um, so when I started this, we had Thanksgiving uh, over here in the US, which is a big holiday here. And so I deliberately went, did a 24 hour fast before my Thanksgiving meal. It was a Sunday night at 8pm. So on the Saturday night at seven, I had my last meal and I went 24 hours and knowing that I, I was going to be at the Thanksgiving dinner. And at that Thanksgiving dinner, Harris, you would have been disgusted at what I put in my <laughs> I had, not only did I have three plates of beautiful turkey and honey ham and mashed potatoes and peas and, and, and stuff, but when the dessert rolled around, I had three bowls of ice cream, I had pumpkin pie, I had cheesecake, <laughs> oh. I had um, um, some of the, the little uh, chocolate that they had. I mean, I, I just went to town. And i got to tell you, it tasted bloody delicious and I felt <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Do you know what? I must admit. It was guilt-free gorging. <laughs> It's on my list, though, to be in America for Thanksgiving. Just so you can eat all of that. Just, I, just, I, just, I just see it. And I'm like, oh, man. I just, I'd like, specifically New York. I'd love to be in New York City for Thanksgiving and just go to town. You've got to do a 24-hour fast, though, now, beforehand. I, I reckon it'd be worth it. Yeah, no, it's be... worth it. Just do the tw- just time you run, just push through, and then just go to town and do it guilt-free. It's such a good feeling. It's such a good feeling. <laughs> I mean, I actually... Um, it's funny you said about having things to talk about on your podcast and stuff. And I was actually saying to Kerris, I had this idea where each month I would uh, do a similar thing. I'd try, like, I might go one month as a vegan, one month uh, ketogenic, one month, like, a vegetarian or, you know what I mean? So you've got something to kind of report back and talk about. Um, but my only kind of worry about it all was that I'd, I'd get so wound up if I was to if it was to have a negative impact on me, you know what I mean? Like if it affected my training and my energy and my mood. And I I, I don't know that I'd be ready at this moment in time to kind of overcome that, to say this, oh, this for the sake of research and and, and feeding back to other people because I kind of value my own training and performance so much, you know. But uh, you've inspired me. Maybe maybe I I will start that. I'm sure James is going to take away, even if you don't sustain this, you're going to take away like three or four key things that you continue to implement ongoing that's that's usually how it works with experimentation so what would you take away from this if you don't continue with it because maybe you will well i mean i i think really just um trying to eat more the intermittent fasting certainly i'm sold on definitely like i i believe in this now 100 percent, and it makes sense you know when we were cavemen we didn't eat as much as we eat now like we, we would go out we would hunt for food so we would have longer periods of time where we didn't eat and then we would, you know, kill a buffalo or a wild animal and then we'd, we'd, we'd feast, right? So I think, you know, I, I'm of the belief, just like paleo, you know, people, paleo enthusiasts are, that, you know, our genetic, you know, are based on that kind of lifestyle, you know, for tens of thousands, you know, for, let's say 10,000 years or so. So today, though, all you've got to do is just walk down the street, go to your supermarket and there's food available. In New York City, there's a pizza stand on every corner. Like you can just, there's yeah. food always within 100 yards of us for the most part. It's so easy now just to go, you're hungry, you just go and buy food versus 10,000 years ago, you're hungry, you've got to go out and kill food. So, you know, anything that I can do to kind of replicate what I believe our genetics, you know, want us 
to be, to be like, I think is it is a good thing. And so I think for me, I'm going to just keep trying to push this intermittent fasting thing, knowing full well that it'll give me more energy. It'll keep me uh, keep the fat off. You know, hopefully, time will tell. In this test, anyway, it'll it'll help build my muscle mass even even more. Because because what we've always said, because we obviously we get the question a lot, like what's your view on intermittent fasting? And for us, we've kind of said that you know what, have a bash at it, see how you get on. But but it isn't for everyone. And I mean, because obviously we, this is the second time we've spoken to you now, and you you strike me as quite a quite a chilled guy, quite laid back. You know, you you eat healthily, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't even drink coffee. Um, you know, you're a, you're a healthy, like well rounded guy. So, but we often come across people that have tried intermittent fasting who. Um, and maybe really stressed individuals aren't getting as much sleep as they'd like. Nutrition's not that great. Blood sugar's a little bit all over the place. And, and they'll we, usually use copious amounts of coffee to suppress appetite eat, because their blood sugar's not under control. Yeah, so they're so skipping the breakfast, past, yeah. but then come lunchtime when they're going to have their first meal, they're on their sixth coffee, you know what I mean? Um, so, so we always say yeah. that it's intermittent farting. Def- uh, farting. <laughs> I said intermittent farting. <laughs> That's a new one. Uh, intermittent fasting kind of has its place but it is definitely a case of trial and error and, and it's not necessarily for everyone would you agree yeah of course i mean you, i mean look i've been testing my body since i took a, a a real interest in health um in 2010 so it's only been you know five or six years since i've been doing this and i've tested many things i've tested the bulletproof diet you know dave asprey i was on day Asprey show and I'm friends with him I just spoke at his conference in Los Angeles a few weeks ago about alcohol and you know he's the guy that that encourage you to encourages you to put grass-fed butter in your coffee and put MCT oil in it I mean I tested that for six months I great and that was fine but you know what I found I got addicted to the coffee I didn't drink coffee before I started that diet and then I drank <laughs> it and I was like damn now I'm addicted to coffee this <laughs> sucks <laughs> so then I stopped drinking the coffee um and uh, you know, now I feel a, a lot healthier again, and I, I just put the grass-fed butter on my meals to supplement that. I've also tried high-intensity training, where you're just working out for like a ten or a fifteen-minute workout, but really, 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 really hard. And I found I I lost more fat that way than when I was in the gym doing an hour-long kind of slow, monotonous kind of you know pushing weights or going for a run. I ran the New York Marathon just to see how how I could push my body. I ran you know half marathon in Oslo on no training just to see if I could do it. Like so, I but look, I don't keep all of these things. I test it, I take elements of it, and then I throw it away. Yeah. For someone who you just described, uh, you just described, Matt, someone who's addicted to the coffee, I would just say, I, I would say this. Uh, remove the coffee making machine from your kitchen mm-hmm. just remove it because when you take it out of sight it's a, or you put it in your garage for example so in order for you to have a coffee you've literally got to walk out into your garage bring the coffee making machine stick it down in your kitchen and make the coffee you, you won't want to do that if you walk <laughs> past will. the coffee <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll move the mattress into the garage <laughs> you'll have a dear <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm um, terrible if you walk past a coffee store every day, don't walk past the coffee store. Walk, walk a different route. You'd never get if to work in New York, would you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, try like anything you can. All you have, you don't have an addiction to coffee. You just have a habit. That's all you have. Yeah. And there's a guy called James Clear who writes about habits. And one of the main things that he talks about, and there's also a book by Charles Duhigg called Habit as well, The Power of Habit. Uh, if you can just remove the visual cue, okay, the visual cue, if you can remove the coffee maker, from your place you're less likely to drink coffee if you can um have it and replace the coffee with something else like a cup of tea or a soda water or um or just anything else pretty soon you can wean yourself off that off that coffee Um, james you're gonna have to launch a 30-day no coffee challenge for matt to do this you do realize (laughs) he'll he'll probably be the only person on it but that's going to be about the only way you get him off the coffee but 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 i do like that that visual no i I think you are absolutely right because i mean i have given up coffee before for um about 10 weeks i gave it up and i've got to admit like i did feel a million times better okay Um, so before you you go on okay we should just we should just clip that little point right there and play it back to you every time that you have a, a cup of coffee because you just told me that when you quit drink quit drinking coffee for 10 weeks you felt a million times better that yeah. were your words so why the hell are you <laughs> drinking six or seven cups of coffee a day i don't understand if you felt a million times better 
why are you telling me that you're addicted to coffee? It just seems completely incongruent. It's, it's a great question. And let me, add, <laughs> let me add another point. So we've just written a second book and been quite stressed. And Matt looked in the mirror the other day and said, stress is making me ugly. I've got bags under my eyes. My skin is aging. Um, and he has four double espressos, sometimes five a day. So that's actually, five. that's nearly sometimes 10 shots of coffee. Three or four, three or four halves. And when he gave up the coffee, so many people said, look at your eyes, they look amazing. Like, what are you doing? They look so bright and so white. Look at your skin, it looks amazing. But he won't make that association between excessive amounts of caffeine um, and stress, probably, the, the effect it has on his sleep and how he looks. Okay, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you 10 reasons why you should quit alcohol, uh, quit uh, coffee right now. You ready for it, Matt? Go for it. Okay, so it lowers your testosterone levels, it reduces your libido, uh, it makes you fat, uh, it disrupts your sleep, it dehydrates your skin, uh, it makes you crave more of it, it's it's a toxin, and it raises your blood pressure. Um, I don't know if that was 10, but I I think it might have been 9 or so. Thereabouts. So the same, what's that, sorry? It it was was thereabouts, 10. Yeah, yeah, so, so... So for someone who's as health conscious as, as, as this is, uh, I didn't realize I was going to be publicly shaming Matt here. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm, 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 Keep going. Sorry, I, I, should really mark, I should mark my words here. I should be a little bit careful. Um, you, you like that coffee is raising your blood is raising your blood pressure, okay, and it's de- dehydrating you. It's, it's a diuretic, right? It's it's dehydrating you, and that's sleep. If your sleep is disrupted, okay then your metabolism is not working the way it's supposed to. You're more irritable. And when you're more irritable, you might be more prone to snap at Keris. And when you're mm-hmm. more prone to snap uh, at Keris, then she's be un- she'll be unhappy. And then you'll be unhappy because she's unhappy. And then you'll be stressed. And then she'll be stressed because you're stressed. And then because you're stressed, you won't do as much work or be as productive. And because you're not as productive, you'll feel even more stressed, which means you'll drink more coffee, which means you'll become more stressed and you'll have worse sleep. And it's just a vicious cycle. A vicious so cycle. basically, if he loves me, he should give up coffee. <laughs> That's the point I was really trying to make. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I mean, like, they're all, they're all very valid points. I mean, I, I, I do... I do feel better when I've, should I say, I've got my coffee consumption under control where I have like, you know, like just one coffee a day, maybe, you know, before my workout in the morning or late morning. Like I do feel so much better and I do sleep better. It's like you say, like with that knock on effect. So yeah. I, I think that to, the problem need... with it is with alcohol, it's quite easy to say, not easy, but we can all acknowledge that it, it offers very little in terms of nutrition and it doesn't do us that much good. But it's almost like the coffee is a little bit more acceptable as a toxin, as a daily toxin, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I would say so anyway. I think, I think. You... But that's just social conditioning as well, yeah. well yeah. isn't it? That's just, I mean, I mean, I had a, I can't, I can't remember what his name was. I had a guest on my, my podcast asked the James Swanick show about three months ago and it was called um, Coffee, Good or Bad. So I think if you just if you go back three or four months uh, on my podcast in iTunes um, and just look for coffee, is it good or bad? There's a whole podcast I did on there on the pros and cons of drinking coffee that, that might interest you. But for you, Matt, it's you know it's just very similar to what I teach people when they're quitting alcohol in the 30 day no alcohol challenge. It's you know you look at all the things that it, that is doing for you in terms of you know all the things that it, how it's affecting your health in a negative way, and when you're out. All- those kind of things up you go you know what is it really worth it and here's the thing you're not actually addicted to the coffee okay what you're addicted to is changing the the mood that you're in when you want that coffee so it's not that you're that you really want the caffeine because you just love the taste of caffeine so much you think you do all you're doing is just relieving yourself of your craving of your withdrawal that's it it's not like you just, oh, my God, I have I just absolutely love the taste of coffee. Oh, oh, it just tastes so good. That's not it. It's just your body is craving it so much because it's a toxin, because you've, you've had so much of it that you need to drink it to relieve yourself of your withdrawal from it. So instead of, like, looking at it as, like, I need the coffee because it tastes, you know, just think about think of it as I don't need the coffee. I just need to change my state. And I can do that by jumping up and down, breathing deeply, drinking water, going for a run in the sun, um, doing the, something the else. The sun? <laughs> I, live in, I live in the UK, Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, just when, when you want the coffee, think, I don't want the coffee. 
I just want to change my state. No, I mean, I just want to change the yeah. state. You are absolutely right. I mean, because for me, it's like a, it's very much a ritual. You know what I mean? Because before a workout, bosh, coffee. You know, when I'm doing my emails, bosh, I like to have a coffee. When I wasn't drinking coffee, and of course I was replacing that with like green tea, peppermint tea, things like that, or even a good quality decaf, um, like a Swiss water filtered one, for example, the ritual was still there. So I was actually okay with it. So if I was having a cup of green tea pre-workout, the ritual of having a hot drink before my workout was still there. So I was happy with it. Um, So I couldn't even really tell you how the bad habit of the excessive consumption crept back in when I did feel so bloody good without it. Um, so even that's a bit of a mystery to me, but you know, you, you are hundred percent right. And in fact, I'm putting it out there right now. I'm going to go, I'm going to do a 30 day, no coffee challenge in, Jan- in, Jan- in January. January. I knew that was coming. <laughs> on the 1st of January. <laughs> <laughs> um, James, just, just before we, um, just before we uh, wrap this up, I want you to talk a little bit about your Swannies because um, they're going to go on our Christmas list after having seen them. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, I like to improve my sleep and, and test my body as much as possible. And I started wearing blue blocking glasses uh, about a year ago, about an hour and a half before I went to sleep. Um, and what they do is they block the blue light that comes out of your cell phone, your mobile phone and your laptop and your TV screens. And that blue light disrupts your sleep. That blue light keeps your mind active. That blue light tricks your brain into thinking that it's daytime when it's actually nighttime. So you wear these blue blocking glasses, they block that dangerous blue light, it makes you fall asleep fuck, it makes you sleep more deeply. The problem was is that the glasses that were on the market were, were terribly unsightly. They were very ugly. They were kind of like workman's goggles, you know, like safety goggles. And so you could never wear them out socially at nighttime because you just looked like a freak. So I designed a pair of my own blue blocking glasses, which are kind of in a very stylish frame, almost like kind of like a Ray-Bans or reading glasses. And um, yeah, they're called Swannies. Um, we launched them uh, recently. You you wear these glasses uh, at nighttime. Uh, you can wear them at daytime, but you wear them at nighttime, about two hours before you go to sleep. Um, and then, uh, you know, that way you can stay on your, working on your mobile phone. You can stay on your laptop. You can keep watching the TV. And then by the time you go to sleep, um, you know, your mind is in a very much relaxed state um, and you can fall asleep easier and, uh, you know, have, have deeper sleep. So, yeah, they're called Swannies. You can find them on, uh, on Amazon or you can go to swanwicksleep.com, um, which is my last name, sleep, swanwicksleep.com. And, uh, yeah. You, that's you, that's you, you modelling them on the website, isn't it? Is it? In the white T-shirt. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is me. Yeah. You look like Ryan Giggs in that picture. Ryan <laughs> yeah, do you know who that is? By the way, I don't know who that is. Football. You know what? You're the second person who said that. Some Colombian said that to me when I was down in uh, in Bogota last year. They said you look like Ryan Giggs. I'm really? like, I don't know if that's a good thing. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. But, uh... <laughs> no, it's a compliment, but in two of your pictures oh, and that one, he looks like Ryan Giggs. So Matt's going through all your photos now. I can't see it. Yeah. They're very cool glasses. I like them. Yeah, we've got a. If you if you follow me on Instagram at um, James Swanick, I, I got put a lot of photos up there and uh, people wearing their their Swanies glasses. But yeah, look, they, they, if you can't sleep, you have problems falling asleep, or you wake up, you know, with disrupted sleep, then definitely wear a pair of Swanies or blue blocking glasses in general. They'll definitely help you. We we awesome. did get some uh, like sort of industrial ones, and they were just they just looked hilarious, yeah, were, so we didn't wear them. Flattering. No, so we're going to grab some of these instead. I mean, if you are wearing them at home, it doesn't really matter. But, you know, it would be cool to have a pair that looked half decent, wouldn't it? Yeah. Being the uh, vain folks. <laughs> uh, well, you guys are you guys are a very, you're a very attractive couple, both of you. So you need to oh, be looking as stylish as possible. You know, you need to kind of be looking. You don't want to be bringing that attractiveness level down by wearing ugly glasses. <laughs> <laughs> you're selling it. You're selling it. I mean, and, and then not only that, Matt's going to look a lot better because he won't have the you know his skin will look a million miles better because he's quit uh, quit uh, coffee. Uh, coffee for 30 days <laughs> you guys are going to be rocking it you'll be like the most handsome couple in <laughs> in the uk and if matt can just intermittent fast as well then we can save a huge we'll amount of money on food, on food. <laughs> this is it this and is going to be our ex- year extra holidays <laughs> <laughs> wins all round well, James, listen, buddy, um, that's been absolutely awesome. We've, yeah, thank we've done, you so we've much. We've done a solid hour with it. It's been great to pick your brains. I, I could carry on chatting to you this for, for hours because um, I'm sure you've got so many stories to tell with all the, the different things you've tried and whatnot. But 
maybe we'll save that for another episode um, and I can talk about my progress on the, uh, the coffee front on the coffee front and whatnot <laughs> um, but mate so where, where can if people want to find out a little bit more about your um, 30 day no alcohol challenge etc where, where can they find out a bit more info yeah if you go to 30 day no alcohol challenge dot com creative uh, I like that uh, fine yeah, fine. <laughs> 30 no alcohol challenge.com. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram and YouTube, um, Twitter, at, uh, which is just James Swanick. It's J A M E S S W A N W I C K. And uh, the James Swanick Show in podcast has been going about 18 months now. I've had uh, almost a couple million downloads on there. And, awesome. uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been going. I do a lot of health stuff there as well. Uh, the James Swanick show in uh, in iTunes. Thanks, thank you so much for having me on the show, Matt and Karis. This was this was really fun. No, it's no, really no, cool. It's, it's Great been an absolute pleasure, buddy. Thank you, thank you for coming on. And um, you inspired Matt to get experimenting now with his. Uh, you have no, honestly, you really have because I have been thinking about it for a while because I, I like like you. I think I like to be able to you know when we have people that come to us and say, oh, I'm a vegan. Am I able to get good results not eating meat or I'm a veggie, whatever? I'd love to be able to say, oh, well, do you know what? I tried this and here's what I did and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it might necessarily work for me, but at least I can say I've had a go at it and I can give people a bit of a story and background into to why, why it might not have worked, why it did work, whatever. So, yeah, no, thank you for that because you have definitely inspired me for sure. Yeah, of course. I, I, just, just one last thing on that. I would, I would get the book uh, Habit, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, New York Times bestselling author. I've studied that book and read it a few times, and I use it in my 30-day no-alcohol challenge to help people quit uh, quit drinking, obviously. Um, a lot of these things, it's just habit. It's just, you know, just like drinking is a habit, just like um, you, you drinking your coffee is a habit. So if you can just, you know, break a habit, replace it with a new one, I think you're going to have a lot of success in any area. of. No, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. The Power of Habit, yeah? Yeah, by Charles Duhigg. Yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, listen, buddy, um, enjoy the rest of your day. I take it you're going for a workout after this, yeah? Yeah, well, it's 8.47am as I'm uh, as I'm recording this. So, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to head to the gym. Yeah, I'm going to get some BCAAs and go and get it done. Good man, good awesome. man. Well, listen, enjoy the rest of the day. Have a great workout and uh, no doubt we'll speak to you very, very soon. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Karis. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, Thank you very bye. much. And guys, we will see you in episode number 62. Have a good one.